When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included. All while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted. From Packers.com, I am Mike Spofford. He is Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, Packers Bears Week 2. It'll be at Lambeau Field. Sunday night football under the lights, prime time, and uh, we, we can get right to it. Keys to victory here. Oh, first, sorry, a little bit of an injury update. Oh, yeah, let's start the there. Green Bay Packers. We can start there because Al Lazard, wide receiver who missed week one against the Minnesota Vikings, he was back on the practice field Wednesday on a limited basis, so things are trending in the right direction. He wouldn't make any guarantees he would be out there on Sunday night, but things are, are potentially pointing that way. Other good news in the injury department, Quay Walker, Keyshawn Nixon, two players on the defense who left the Minnesota game with shoulder injuries, were both back on the practice field on Wednesday as well. So that was, uh, that was also a positive sign. And we don't know exactly what's going on with the offensive line. John Runyon is in the concussion protocol. David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins were practicing again on a limited basis. So we'll see what the rest of the week brings. All of that injury news being processed, what jumps out at you as the A number one, top of the list, first priority key to victory against the Chicago Bears on Sunday night? I'm going to tie it into your injury update. Okay. I think if you have Quay Walker out there tackling the way that he tackled in that game against Minnesota, I think you have Devondre Campbell. I like this defensive front against what the Bears are putting forth. The reason for that is because you need to have sideline to sideline speed and you need to contain Justin Fields. I don't know how many more times I can say it. I've already worn out the line. <laughs> you have to be able to contain Justin Fields because this Bears offense is going to go as far as he takes them. I thought at times, you know, seeing some of these statistics about, you know, his ability to create, how many off-schedule plays they run, a lot of that is predicated on being able to contain him. The Packers have two really good rush-to-contain guys in Rashawn Gary just through his brute power and strength and also Preston Smith just through his acumen and, and the fact that you know he's such a savvy football player. Yeah. I have a lot of confidence with those two guys being able to keep their lanes and understand the assignment. But really, I think about that interior. I think about your Kenny Clarks. Kenny had the best game of maybe anybody in that game against the Vikings. Yeah, Clark played a way For the Green Bay game. Packers. Clark played a whale of a game in Minnesota. For the sure. push that you get with Kenny, you know, Jaron Reed knowing his assignments, Dean, Dean Lowry, I, I just think that's such an, a critical part of this thing. 
But seeing Quay Walker back, not just because of the injury to Chris Barnes, but Walker, the way he played eight tackles before he left that ball game, Mike, I thought for as many explosives that were given up, for as many missed opportunities as the Packers had, when it came to see ball, hit ball, get ball to the ground, Quay Walker was right on point, and I really liked what I saw so far from him and Campbell being able to work as that one-two punch. Yeah, and certainly staying on the defensive side of the ball, you have to believe that this Packers defensive backfield is going to have a bounce-back kind of game. And, yes, the Bears do not have a Justin Jefferson, you know, Adam Thielen combination. Um, They don't have a Dalvin Cook in, in the backfield either. That's taking nothing away from Montgomery and Herbert, who are quality NFL running backs. Darnell Mooney is potentially still a rising star at receiver in this league, but those guys are not on the level of the Vikings perimeter weapons. And this, this secondary for Green Bay, we talked about it, that, that main five that plays in the nickel. It's an experienced group. It's a talented group. It's also a prideful group, and they know that the way they played last Sunday in Minnesota is not who they are. And they, they're not... You know, they're not talking about it, woofing about it, whatever, this week in the locker room. But you know in their own minds, they're like, all right, let's, we got to be who we are and take care of business here. That's the, that's the group, the, 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 the personnel group, the position group for the Packers that you look to really bounce back in the biggest way. This was a seminal moment for me just now. You don't even realize this. But woofing is now a thing that I think I'm going to work in my vernacular for the rest of my life from this day moving forward. I just want to make sure that okay. you're aware of that. But you're absolutely right, Mike, because what I took away from the postgame locker room, you were at, I almost said Mike McCarthy, you were at Matt LaFleur's press conference right. with Aaron Rodgers. I was in the locker room and listening to Rasul Douglas, Jair Alexander, and Eric Stokes all address the media afterwards, and even some of those guys talking on Wednesday. Nobody was defensive. Nobody was unsure of themselves. There was almost this, this kind of like approach that it was round one of a boxing match, and they got knocked down. Yeah. You know, it's a 10-8 round for the opponent. They, they, they owned it. But they're going to be able to work their way back, and that's going to be critical because, as Jerry Gray said, you have to make the corrections because you're going to see that number 18 again in the purple uniform or white uniform later this season. They're going to have to deal with Justin Jefferson again, but you can't do anything about that in week two. Right. You have to worry about the weapons that the Chicago Bears present. And I'll tell you what, Mike, while they don't have a Jefferson, you can even make the case they don't have an Adam Thielen. They do have guys that are pretty gritty. And that was kind of my main takeaway from that game with the Bears. You know, Dante Pettis being able to have the 51-yard score, or the 51-yard completion. You, you look at the score that uh, Equinemia St. Brown yeah. had. Those were heady plays, and a lot of that was generated off of the creativity of fields. So you can't worry about the Vikings. You have to turn your attention to this Bears team because, again, they're going to be riding high coming off of this win, a win that very few people expected over the San Francisco 49ers, but the circumstances of this game are going to be much different. You're going to have a crowd in there for the first time at Lambeau Field in a regular season setting. We remember what that atmosphere was like for the preseason game that they had here. Team, they're going to be energized. The Packers are going to have that wind in their sails. And these cornerbacks need to play up to their potential. Because when you look at what they did during training camp, which you look at what they did against the New Orleans Saints and those practices, they were dominating, suffocating, and they found ways to take away the football. And that's what they have to do on Sunday. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair 
or to have hair plugs. I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, <laughs> hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, well, on the offensive side of the ball, we talked already with regard to the running backs and and the Packers getting them more involved. Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers have touched on it. I don't want to to beat that topic to death. I am interested, though, if Alan Lazard is able to come back and make his 2022 debut, and if Robert Tunyon, who we believe might have been on a snap count with his first game back from that's the our ACL, suspicion. That's our that's our yeah. We we suspect we su- as the old game surmised. of clue goes <laughs> um, that he might have been on a rep count, and perhaps if that increases and he has more opportunities to get involved with maybe Lazard coming back with the fact that Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson will no longer be playing their first game in the NFL. Um, they'll also be back home, you know, with the crowd behind them, all of that, um, all of that kind of stuff. I, I, you know, I just have to believe we're going to see, not just because the Bears defense is different from the Vikings defense, I think we're going to see a very, very different Green Bay Packers offense than the one we saw in a um, very difficult place to play last Sunday. Did you ever cover hockey? Yeah, you sure. did. Uh, what Green Bay could potentially do, and again, it, it's kind of predicated on number 13 being available, but I like the line changes that Green Bay can potentially utilize. You saw a little bit of them in that game against the Vikings. I mean, at 41 offensive snaps, Sammy Watkins was the most active offensive perimeter playmaker right. for Green Bay. Right. You go back to the days of Devontae Adams, I mean, he was playing maybe three or four snaps he was taken off the field. I like the idea that Green Bay has all these this, this different mesh of receiving talent that can be used in a multitude of ways. You can have your Randall Cobbs that are just there quickly to catch a pass and get you a first down on a third and five right up the middle because there's that, that synergy there with Aaron Rodgers. I like that you have the deep threat with, with um, Christian Watson because as much as we've talked about the drop this week, I think the long-term thing here for Watson, if he can really put that in the past, is the fact that he was going up against an all-pro type cornerback on his first NFL snaps, and he beat him off the line of scrimmage by three and a half yards. Yeah, His talent, his skill, and his natural gifts are as advertised. You and I have seen it a little bit just based on the knee injury in camp. When he did come back, I thought that really shined. But at the same time, you need to be able to, to work with that and, and learn from the past mistakes. Romeo Dobbs, the list goes on and on of the amount of Packers receiving talent that they have. And I think that can be a big big asset for them in this game. Eddie Jackson had the interception last week. Jalen Johnson, I think, is an up-and-coming cornerback in this league. But the Green Bay Packers need to kind of keep their foot on the gas, so to speak. And as Matt LaFleur said this week, a lot of that is going to be predicated on the backfield, too. Getting more touches for Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. 
This is not the 2020-21 Packers anymore. This is not an offense that's going to run through one specific all-pro. It's going to be versatile. And having Lazard back with all the different ways that you can use him, I, I just think, again, it opens up that cookbook just a little bit wider with some interesting recipes for this offense. Yeah, you mentioned Eddie Jackson, the safety for the Bears, uh, playmaking kind of guy. You definitely have to be aware of him. And I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of the week in Insider Inbox when somebody asked me about the keys against the Bears, and it, you have to get a hat on Roquan Smith. It, you know, whatever sorts of uh, running plays, whether you're going to go inside zone, outside zone, if you're going to run the reverses, the jet sweeps, whatever it might be, whoever is headed to the second level off of the offensive line, off of the combo blocks, you've got to be able to beat 58 to the spot, so to speak, right? You've got to get a hat on that guy because um, because he, he's a guy who's just he's capable of wrecking so much of what yeah. you want to do offensively. This is not the same Bears front that we've seen in recent years with Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and guys like that up front. But Roquan Smith is still there just behind the line of scrimmage. And, uh, and he's, he's a guy he's a guy you just you have to be able to block him. And uh, he's going to make his tackles. The defense is designed to do that. But you can't let him be an impact player, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, and I really like, you know, for, for as much as, you know, Green Bay last week, we talk about the push on the, the goal line. You know, there were some issues there with the pass protection. But I really like this offensive line and the athleticism and how that's kind of shown up at the second level. Josh Myers did that a little bit in the preseason. You saw, I mean, you see some of these intangibles that these guys have. The Packers have the athleticism there to really thrive on that side of the ball. But it's a difference between that and really getting a hat on a hat. Mm -hmm. and, and Roquan makes it very difficult for offensive linemen to achieve that. But that being said, you look at 6.2, 6.3 yards per carry for Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon last week. Green Bay needs to repeat that recipe and maybe throw a little bit more in there too. Uh, to be able to get into more favorable situations. Because realistically, the only time where Green Bay started to fall behind in some of these these downs was when there was an incompletion or a sack on first down. Uh, when they ran the ball, for the most part, they weren't getting stuffed for second and nine or second and eight. They were able to get into some second and six, you know, second and five situations. You want to see that replicated because – if a guy like Roquan gets going, and especially, you know, with Robert Quinn, if he's able to, you know, pin his ears back a little bit, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy for any defense. So uh, th that's going to be probably the big intangible in this game is what does Green Bay do up front early on to really set the tone in that matchup? Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Yeah, when you look at when you look at the 29-yard run by Aaron Jones last week, I had it in my clips on Zach Tom. Larry did a great rock report on it as well for anybody who wants to check it out. The key to springing that run was Mercedes Lewis taking out Eric Kendricks. Yes. You know, and, and Eric, you know, Roquan Smith is, is sort of like the Eric Kendricks, uh, you know, of, uh, um, of this Bears defense. So that's, uh, that's where... You, you get a hat on that guy, that's where you can turn the three- and four-yard runs into the potentially explosive ones. On the special team side of things, um, I thought it was a solid debut for Rich Bisaccia's units. 
Matt LaFleur talked about a little bit too leaky in the punt protection. Uh, there were a few punts that were uh, a little too close for comfort in terms of getting blocked. But I think that's something, that type of uh, attacking mentality from opponents is something the Packers are just going to have to get used to. Yeah. Um, because of what was put on film last year and the block punt and the playoff game and everything, teams are going to come after Green Bay in that regard and see uh, and see if the Packers can hold up. On the return side of things, I thought there was the one punt return where Amari Rodgers might have had a lane down the sideline, maybe called for the fair catch a little bit too early there. That was uh, that was an opportunity, but the sure hands were definitely there. There were no no issues in terms of uh, in terms of potential turnovers or worries in that regard. So a solid effort there, but um, but certainly some ways that you can see this special teams unit moving forward. Yeah, I just like seeing Amari get north and south. There was, you know, too much, you know, kind of indecisiveness last year. I think that was one of the things that really kind of hurt him down the stretch. And also just the way he's fielding the ball. He's fielding it a lot cleaner uh, in year two. Uh, this is an interesting matchup, though, with the with the Bears because, you know, for so many years here, you kind of had to worry. Not, not that you don't have to worry about Pettis here, but, you know, Jakeem Grant and obviously the Devin Hester years. There was always kind of this, <laughs> yeah. this fear a little bit associated with, you know, what, uh, you know, uh, the amount of playmakers that you could potentially see on that unit. You still have to be on your P's and Q's, but I thought one of the big tests that Green Bay passed last week was just being able to survive those returners. I thought Pat O'Donnell, even though maybe there was some, you know, a little bit of leakiness with the protection, Pat O'Donnell, I thought, punted really well in yeah, that situation. Yeah, I thought, I thought O'Donnell had a great game, Where, all things considered. You can't really give them much quarter because of what Rager could potentially do, which Green Bay has seen firsthand three years ago. So... Being able to, to neutralize that, I thought, was a solid building block for them. You know, Mason Crosby, a few extra points, but still getting back into his own rhythm, getting back into his whole pregame process, his sec- 242nd consecutive start in the NFL, or se- consecutive game played. All those things are going to matter because, I'll tell you what, you mentioned Keyshawn Nixon early on. How important is it not only as him as the dime cornerback, but him still being available now as a gunner? Uh, Rudy Ford was fantastic. I thought in that game as a gunner, Green Bay has some vets there now. Yeah, and and being able to see those young guys rally around those veterans, as opposed to last year, where I think a lot of times it was guys just looking at each other, trying to figure out who's going to like lead this group, who's going to step up. I think over the course of the year, Mike, you're going to see that show up. Yeah, well, I want to get to a couple of interesting statistics to throw your way, Wes. But first, some sponsor business. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard hitting analysis and up to the minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl, Cousin Subs, 50 years of better. All right, two stats for you, Wes. First, the Green Bay Packers have won 14 of their last 15 home openers, going back to... 2007. Since 2007, the only home opener the Packers have lost was the Week 1 contest. It actually was a season opener against the San Francisco 49ers in 2012. So this is the type of game that the Packers normally win. And the other thing I came across this week, it was really interesting, and I'm going to be writing a little more about this in my One Last Look column, which we'll post on the website on Saturday. But I didn't realize in 2018 when Matt Nagy brought the Chicago Bears uh, to Lambeau Field for the first time for him as a head coach, 
that when the Packers came back from that 20-point deficit with Aaron Rodgers being injured, coming back out of the locker room and all of that, the Packers winning that game actually broke a streak of, and I'm bringing this up because Matt Eberflus is coaching his first Packers-Bears game at Lambeau Field. The 2018 20-point comeback against Matt Nagy's Bears actually broke a streak of four consecutive Bears coaches, head coaches, who had won their first Packers-Bears game at Lambeau. It was really strange. I went back and looked at Dick Duran going back to 1999, Lovey Smith in 2004, and then also Mark Tressman and John Fox. They all won their first Packers-Bears game at Lambeau Field, and Matt Nagy was really darn close to making it five in a row as, uh, as Eberflus comes in for his first Packers-Bears game at Lambeau. I just thought it was interesting. I'll have more on it in my column, but, uh, but just one of those weird stats that you don't think would be even possible. Yeah, and, and this rivalry with the Bears, too, I mean, this will be the 17th straight year these two teams are playing in primetime. Um, th- these are the type of things that, I'll always forever remember Lovey Smith taking the podium for the first time as their head coach saying <laughs> yep. that my number one goal is to beat the Packers. Yep. And and I'll be honest with you, Mike, over all the rhetoric that I've heard for years and how excited fans get you know, if their team beats Green Bay within the division, that's always been the number one thing because I think Lovey's comments spoke on two different levels because, one, obviously there is the rivalry. There's a reason why we're continually tracking, hey, which team has more pro football Hall of Famers, which team – is up on the regular season career, you know, wins total. Right. But it also was the statement that Lovey was making that day where in order, if you're going to become a perennial contender here in the NFC, you need to get past Green Bay. You need to get past Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, everybody that they've had thrown at this division in the NFC Central in all these years. And as Rodgers touched on last week, teams just haven't been able to regularly do it. Uh, you know, the, the comment last year at Soldier Field, that goes as said. I won't. I won't elaborate any more on it. Right. But regardless, these are the type of matchups that teams wake up for, and it's the type of things that head coaches, when they chart out their season, when they take over an NFC division, an NFC North team, you know what the task is going to be. You know what you're ultimately going to have to deal with. There was a reason why the Minnesota Vikings hired Mike Zimmer back in 2014. The Vikings needed to do a better job against Aaron Rodgers. And Zimmer had some success against them in Cincinnati. Yeah, It's those type of lessons that get passed on. And for my money, seeing how Eberflus handles this moment, especially with the Bears having a chance to go two up in the division, knock down the Packers a pedestal. Yeah, no doubt. As far as week two goes, and Aaron Jones touched on it on Monday, it's not a must win. I will never say a must win before December, but... It is. There's a lot of implications in this matchup, and, and certainly I'm, I know that that Bears locker room is aware of it. Yeah, well, there, there are some interesting things to keep an eye on around week two um, with the Packers not playing until Sunday night. We'll actually have a chance to maybe watch some, uh, some noon games from the comfort of our living room couches. Um, well, first off, tonight, uh, after we're taping this episode, the Thursday night game, Chargers at Chiefs. Uh, it doesn't get much better than that as far as Not on AFC Thursday matchup. night football. Justin Herbert against Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, an, uh, an AFC West showdown at, uh, at Arrowhead in Kansas City. That should be a fun one. Do you like how they schedule that for week two as well? <laughs> like that didn't end up in like week 11 where, hey, maybe you end up getting the second string quarterback against the fourth string running back or something like that. But like, you know, teams not wanting to put out their talent on a, on a quick turnaround. No, you're getting that right in week two. <laughs> yeah. And you get it when, you know, Justin Herbert's star is about as, 
as big as it's getting. I mean, did you see that throw he had last week, did that, that one that he had down the seam? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where it was like there's basically triple coverage there, and there's one spot, like literally <laughs> like six inches that he can throw that football, and he nailed yeah. it like 25 yards downfield. Yeah. He's a talented young man. Yeah, it's going uh, it's, it's to be fun to watch some of those AFC matchups when we get a chance this year. On Sunday, Washington is at Detroit in the NFC North. Interesting thing there, I heard – that Detroit is actually favored by the odds makers in that game. It's the first time in like a season and a half that Detroit has actually been favored oh, wow. to uh, to winning something like 24 games they've gone with with being the underdog wow. um, 24 games in a row. So um, so the Lions actually favored to win at home, playing at Ford Field for second week in a row after the uh, the shootout with Philadelphia last week. Tampa Bay at New Orleans, for whatever reason, the New Orleans Saints have just had Tampa Bay's number um, over the last couple of years, so I think that's an interesting one to keep an eye on. Seattle at San Francisco, the 49ers coming off a very disappointing loss at Soldier Field, and Seattle coming off of a tremendously uplifting win for them. Uh, Week one, Monday Night Football, the whole Russell Wilson return to Seattle, and the Seahawks came out on top, so that's an interesting one. In, uh, in the AFC West, and Cincinnati at Dallas. Joe Burrow, four interceptions for the Bengals in week one, and they lose a, a weird whole kicking thing in overtime um, to the Pittsburgh Steelers and, and the Dallas Cowboys having to deal with uh, the absence of yeah. Dak Prescott now. So I threw a lot of games at you. Any comments on any of those? This one, I want to just add this one too, and maybe you're going to get to it in a second, but also Minnesota at Philly. Yeah, I was going to get football. to Monday night, yeah. I'll, I'll let you, we can touch on that in a second because to me that's probably the most fascinating game yes, of all. Because I agree. You, you go from Minnesota's defense facing Aaron Rodgers to the Jalen Hurts offense, which is – very talented, very dynamic, but there is sort of a throw the grass up in the air and see which way the wind takes it kind <laughs> yeah. of element to it. Uh, but but as far as this weekend is concerned, I'm I'm really interested. It's not going to be a game. I'm sure it's in the D.C. area, and I'm sure it's in the Detroit area, but I really am interested to see that Lions game because you've got to remember, I didn't know that stat that you just threw at me about the 24 in a row being underdogs, but Detroit lost, Washington won, and yet – Detroit is the favored team yeah. in this matchup because yeah. of how well they played against the Eagles with everybody kind of getting behind the Eagles now thinking that they're going to be one of the top contenders this year. So it was kind of an interesting litmus test. And I, Mike, I've said it so many times. If, if DeAndre Swift is healthy, Detroit's offense is just so much different. And that they've, had, they've struggled to just get him on the field. But when yeah. he's there, I thought last week you really saw how dynamic he can be. Uh, and then realistically, the New Orleans Saints, I mean – Tom Brady and the Buccaneers did everything they had to do to win that game. But I thought it also kind of showed the way that Tampa's probably going to have to win this year, which is a lot of Leonard Fournette and good defense. The Saints are going to stress them a little bit. Mm -hmm. They're going to do some, you know, some, you know, Michael Thomas came back and had a good game last week. You know, Taysom Hill's still carrying the football. There is a lot that they're going to throw at that Bucs defense. I think that's going to be a barn burner till the very end. Yeah, well, you you mentioned on Monday night, it's actually a Monday night doubleheader this week, an AFC matchup, Tennessee at Buffalo, two teams that uh, that made the playoffs a year ago, so an interesting one there. And then, as you said, I think the most, the most intriguing game, uh, maybe on the entire Week 2 slate right up there with the Chargers-Chiefs on Thursday night is Minnesota at Philadelphia. Both of those teams want to know, the uh, Eagles were sort of the last team to get into the playoffs last year, and then they got bumped out right away. 
they're kind of, especially with the Dak Prescott injury, they're kind of being pegged now as the clear favorite in the in the NFC East and a chance to for them to really put an early stranglehold on that division in some respects because of uh, because of the length of time that Prescott could be out for the Cowboys. And then the Minnesota Vikings, can they build on what they did against the Green Bay Packers? But now Kevin O'Connell takes that show on the road in primetime, Philadelphia, like that fan base, not an easy place to go play. Really intriguing Monday night game, Vikings-Eagles. Completely flipping the script, offensively, defensively, and atmosphere-wise from what they had last Sunday. Yep. Uh, you know, going back over that game with Detroit, I mean, we're going to learn so much about both of those teams coming up here. You know, are, are the Eagle are the are the Lions better than people gave them credit for? Are the Eagles not as good as everybody thought? Either way, I just thought that Jalen Hurts, the way he runs this offense, and the way that they're building this thing around him now, it fits. Um, I couldn't tell you anything about their run game. I think 48 different people are involved in their backfield yeah, right now. Yeah. But that being said, they have a formula that works. And for Hertz, it's looking for opportunities to get out in the open field and also using that, that footwork and that elusiveness to potentially open things up for their receivers. As it goes in terms of entertaining football teams to watch, on that power rankings, the Eagles might be at the very top right now. The Minnesota Vikings defensively, I think we're going to learn a lot about them because Hertz is going to stress them in a lot of different ways that they didn't see with Green Bay. So that aspect of it, I think, is going to keep me glued to the television. Yeah, absolutely. It should be. It'll be a, a whale of a Monday night doubleheader, and there's quite a bit of overlap. So maybe you know, flipping channels back and forth to you know, the commercials are long enough. You can do that quite a bit with NFL yeah. games these days. Seriously. So with that, I better get off the air. We'll <laughs> call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team. We will have everything from Sunday night's big game at Lambeau Field against the Bears for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.